I'm Joanna Fortune, psychotherapist and author of the 15-minute parenting series of books. Welcome to my 15-minute parenting podcast, where I take a common parenting struggle and break it down with practical, playful solutions. Let's get going. Something I think that we do well in Ireland is a warm welcome. We are the land of Cade Mila Fáilte, 100,000 welcomes. And that has been evident in abundance since our Ukrainian community have started to arrive into our country, fleeing the trauma of war. But that's the thing about trauma, I'm afraid. Leaving the site of the trauma doesn't mean leaving the trauma itself behind. We carry that inside of us. And when we are consumed with the activation of trauma, it can make it difficult to avail of what is available to us, difficult to draw benefit from the benevolence on offer. The trauma of war is an assault on the senses. It releases a surge in adrenaline and cortisol coursing through our nervous system, places us on heightened alert, whereby we're scanning our environments for signs of threat. And this kind of activation, you know, this increase in heart rate and your heart's thumping and beating and you're sweating and you're, you know, you feel that surge of energy through you. That kind of activation I'm talking about actually serves us well when we're in active trauma because it can keep us primed to react, primed to run or to fight and defend ourselves. In that context, it's an adaptive or life-saving behavior in a time and place of war. However, when that activation remains heightened, even when the environmental threat has decreased, what was life-saving in one situation can become life-limiting or inhibiting in another. And what I mean by this is that by remaining primed for trauma responses, my autonomic nervous system is in a heightened alarm state and I don't feel safe, calm, regulated internally or externally, by the way. And in this state, even a genuine offer of help can be experienced as a judgment or as overwhelming and I can shut off and just give you a blank response. And I think this is worth remembering when we think about what we expect from those we offer help to. Do we expect that they should be grateful, that they should show us overt appreciation? Do we feel slighted when our offer of help is rebuffed or if the person we are offering it to seems to take but not show what we would deem gratitude? You know, how does this affect us? I, I think it does affect us, doesn't it? You know, anytime we do something nice, even hold, you think of it in a very non-trauma situation, even when you stop to hold a door open for someone, if they just walk right by you, you can feel quite slighted by that and go, even on their behalf, you can go, you're welcome in that sarcastic way to remind them that you feel they should have said thank you. But so if that affects us about holding open a door, how does it affect us if we open up our homes, if we open up, you know, our schools, our communities? Are we expecting people to go, oh, thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here because the truth is, while I understand that, you know, the truth is it's not a requirement that anyone fleeing a traumatic experience be grateful to be here with us. Remember that no one who was here because of the war in Ukraine chose to be here if there really was a choice they would choose to be at home in their own homes in their own country where their lives jobs friends family clothes food music smells sounds are all safe and familiar 
people coming from Ukraine are here because it is it is not, it was not safe to stay at home. They had to flee in desperation to stay alive, leaving people and things that provide comfort behind them. I just, I mean, I just can't even imagine the fear state that is evoked that prompts us to have to do this, to look around and say, no, I got to leave all of this behind and I got to go now just to stay alive. Horrible, terrible, unimaginable choices and decisions have had to be made by so many people because of this. And it takes time to recover from experiences like these. It takes lots of time. The kindest gesture that we can extend to anyone coming from Ukraine is time, space and support based on what they need to receive from us rather than what we desire to give. And that's really important. That shouldn't be a subtle distinction. That's something that we need to be very mindful and aware of. The other thing I want to come back to on trauma really is because trauma is unavoidable in a time of war. And there are many ways that this impacts on people's mental health and well-being. One of the biggest triggers of the trauma of war is the loss of control. And I think I've just alluded to that in what I've said about, you know, I've had to make a a snap reaction decision. I never thought the unimaginable has happened. I never thought this would happen. I have to look around me, grab a few bits that I can carry that will be easy for me in traveling. And I need to go. And I've likely had to leave family behind me in doing that. That does not feel like a situation that's in my control. And control helps us to feel like we're in the driving seat of our own lives, doesn't it? You know, this war is being represented in real time, first-hand accounts via social media. And that is where a lot of the images and stories that we're hearing are coming from, rather than from more traditional news media sources. We're watching somebody standing in the middle of a war zone or standing at a border queuing to get over it or trying to get onto a packed train that they've been waiting hours for. And we're watching that happen in real time live on their TikTok account. It's a very different way now of experiencing news and experiencing live world events. So all of us, you know, I'm not thinking of people who are, that is their experience. I'm thinking of all of us who are experiencing it secondhand at the moment. We need to ensure that we safeguard our own mental health and well-being as well. And one of the ways that we can do that is to manage our exposure to the constant flow of trauma as well. Manage the amount of time you're spending online. Recognize the signs in your own mind and body, your agitation, your physical arousal, that you're actually getting too much of this and you need to take a break. And I fully acknowledge, aren't we terribly privileged that we can say, I'll just turn that off and take a break. I need to reset my overwrought brain now. I need to watch something fun to elicit laughter. I need to get out and reconnect with nature and change my field of vision. I need to nurture myself and cuddle up under a blanket with a hot cup of tea and maybe a nice biscuit. And I need to be good and kind to myself. How lovely for us that we have that choice. But you know what? We do need to do that to mind ourselves in this as well. I'm thinking about the types of images as well that are being portrayed. They tend at the moment, for good reason and for very obvious and understandable reason, they tend to be images of strength and resilience and prowess. But we have to remember that behind each strong image is a story of pain, 
fear and trauma. No one chooses to leave their family and home or to take up a gun and start shooting it without there being pain, fear and trauma behind the action. No one in those images would choose this as their first choice for how they want to live their lives or how they want their lives to be right now. They would say, I'd much rather be in that office I was always given out about than standing out here, you know, with guns on the front line in armed service. We always have to stay curious as to what is the story behind each of these apparent stories. These, Because each image, of course, is telling us a story. But what is the story behind that story? It's that line, you know, of what is visible, in other words, shown externally versus what is invisible, in other words, going on internally for a person. You know, we are mentally healthy and well when we feel a semblance of control in our lives. And no one arriving from Ukraine has that semblance of control right now. So therefore, we can at least again to varying degrees and levels, you know, we need to invest and resource mental health and well-being of everybody arriving in because that out of control feeling it disempowers us it renders us feeling incapable of taking care of our lives and what we or what you know we and or our children need in our lives and in caring for and supporting people fleeing war we cannot infantilize people you know so if somebody is coming to share your home with you then that's what they are they're coming to share your home and you need to agree boundaries around time in the kitchen and groceries and cooking and maintaining you know the space and in bathrooms and all of that so that you're not saying you know I'll cook for you I'll clean for you I'll do everything for you we cannot infantilize people but we have to create that semblance of shared space in a meaningful way and this is me you know talking about people who were mentally strong prior to the war happening by the way and the impact it's had on previously mentally well people but what about those people who went into this trauma of war already vulnerable with their mental health who've abruptly lost access to both formal and informal supports you know their psychological or therapy services their you know friend and family networks their familiar environment they've lost all of that very abruptly and they may have relied on that in order to have any degree of control over what was going on with their mental well-being and now they're displaced from everyone and everything they've known a need in order to feel stable that's deeply concerning and mental health supports have to be a key part of our response system for anyone arriving into our country fleeing trauma and right now that's being done in more of a kind of unstructured you know oh this might be needed could somebody help out it needs to be much more structured than that it needs to be much more managed than that and then of course there are the children and you know I did a an interview with RTE our national broadcaster here in Ireland I know some of you are joining us listening to this podcast outside of Ireland but there's the children's news program called News Today and I was on that being interviewed speaking directly to children about how to manage their emotions during all of this talk and experience and this time of war. And I think a lot of what I said in that actually applies now to, to adults. You know, I talked about, I was talking again to directly to children who watch that show, many of them who watch it in their schools where Ukrainian children will have joined the school community. But I advise them, you know, to trust their mind and body and letting them know when they've had enough and take breaks. I specifically said take play breaks. I think we could all do with more play in our lives. Connect with nature and with friends and you know to trust your feelings and when you don't feel like playing or connecting that's also okay maybe tomorrow or the next day will be different and I specifically mentioned that one because 
I think our children are, you know, excited to meet new friends and welcome new pals into the classroom and, hey, come on, let's play, play with us, sit with us, let's do this together. And of course, that's beautiful and in no way do I want to discourage that. But I also want our children to know it's okay for a child who's come from a really difficult experience and is still having difficulty with that experience to say no or to avert their gaze or withdraw or shut down. And it's okay and you can say, that's okay, thanks for letting me know you don't feel comfortable playing today I'll ask you again tomorrow and you might have changed your mind but we help them to understand that it's really important to invite our friends to play and it's really important we understand they're allowed to say that they're not feeling like playing much today but that we'll ask them again tomorrow I also highlighted the importance of finding ways beyond words you know one of the things I was asked was is is it important for children to talk about their feelings and I said you know of course it is really important that any of us talk about our feelings but sometimes we need other ways than talking when it comes to expressing our feelings and you know we need to be able to connect with each other beyond words and particularly I'm thinking be it with adults or children people who are coming where there are now language barriers and instead of us both staring into a screen and talking over Google Translate what other creative therapeutic artistic playful ways can we connect and communicate and I mentioned something very briefly you know on the news bulletin for children about sometimes I like to color my feelings and I got so many comments from parents saying their children loved that and they wanted to know more and I'm going to suggest as adults because when I said on the news it's something I do myself I really do this and I am encouraging all of you that when I feel a bit overwhelmed or blocked or stuck or I have a big feeling I'm sitting with and it's hard to speak about it when you're holding so much emotion what I like to do is think hmm what shape is that feeling okay and what color is it what size is it what kind of texture, you know, what are the edges? Are they smooth? Are they rough? Are they jagged? Is it light? Is it heavy? Where does it live in my body? Where am I holding and feeling it right now? Mm, Yeah, I got it. Okay, I see it. I can feel it. Think about it. I know where it is. And then I bring it to a, if this feeling was to be an animal, what animal would it be? Okay. And instead of that big lion sitting in my tummy, where might that lion be more comfortable? And now I can picture that feeling, that animal feeling in a big open prairie land, in a big open space where they can run and feel like they're supposed to feel. And I can feel and think and picture myself letting it go a bit. I think doing an activity like that with children is much easier than saying, tell me how you're feeling. And sometimes it's really useful for us adults too. And I do encourage you to try that. I want to wrap up this piece because, you know, there's so much talk about war and you know everything that we're doing and the efforts and who's arriving and where's everyone and all of those pieces and it's so important but as I've been listening I've just had this niggle in my mind about we need to think a little deeper about this we need to think about what is the trauma and what is and isn't okay about what we're expecting and are we affording people the space and time and resources to properly exhale while they're here with us and I think that that's something I wanted to talk about but I do want to end on a really nice story Uh, my friend I'm privileged to call her a friend Uh, she and I worked together for many years and as always when you work with Debbie Deegan is who I'm talking about you know you can leave a job but Debbie never really lets you go so she's a really skilled person at bringing lots and lots of people together and you know building teams that are committed and work for a common good and I think in recent weeks you may have heard the story about 
about Violetta, um, the 86-year-old Ukrainian lady who made a very difficult journey and very stressful and difficult journey along with so many others and members of her family to Ireland had to leave her beloved best friend dog behind and she was really pining for her dog and Debbie along with a team of others managed over many borders and many miles and many kilometers to get that dog from where it Tasha is the dog's name where the dog had been left in Romania to Ireland and reunited so Tasha and Violetta are together and I think you know that's what we have and that's one of our main strengths is that when we pull together we can affect such overwhelming positive meaningful change and impact in each other's lives I just want us to think very carefully about what our expectations are and you know don't underestimate the power of kindness well-intentioned meaningful kindness and that's about something we give but we manage what we expect in return and really I just wanted this episode to be a think piece that encourages us to pause and think in maybe a different way and reflect about what it is that people arriving into our country are carrying with them along, you know, that we don't see as well as the stuff that we do see on the outside. And while this episode has been very particular to people coming from Ukraine, so much of what I said I'm holding in mind, anybody arriving into this country and families who are living in very difficult, transient, so-called temporary housing conditions that continue for way longer than they really should or need to and that's something that we can be mindful and aware of that if we're welcoming people into our community it should feel like a welcome. I really hope that this has been a helpful or at least thought-provoking listen. Thank you for listening. I'd love if you could leave a positive review, share this with a friend or a few friends or even subscribe to the podcast. It really helps others to find it and helps with visibility online. You can also follow me on Instagram at Joanna Fortune or on Twitter at the Joanna Fortune. No E at the end of that. Tune in next time for more 15-minute parenting.